Hey everyone, surprise, it's Miss Amy. What a blessing it is to be with you today as we begin a new topic. Pastor Don asked if I would develop and share some thoughts with you that I shared with him some weeks ago. And in turn, I've invited others to join me in, in this series, so you're not gonna wanna miss it. So let's get started with our primary text. And I'm reading from Philippians 1. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. I read these two simple verses from our Bible reading plan the day after Nairobi was instructed to go on lockdown. And after it was announced, I began thinking of you, our church family, So when I was reading these verses, they were such an encouragement to me because I realized Paul had a similar concern for those who were in Philippi. The Holy Spirit was directing Paul as he conveyed to the believers how they would remain strong, even in the midst of their struggles. The NIV puts it like this, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. This helps us understand that we, with God's enabling, are to determine, manage, control, and supervise ourselves. Our new man self through salvation is to rule over our old man self of sin. The Philippians were being called onto the road of taking personal responsibility for their actions. It was and still is the path to maturity. And so for all of us, whether on lockdown or not, regardless of our situations and challenges, we must stop blaming our wrong behavior, choices, attitudes, and decisions on our circumstances or on others. Whatever happens, we must conduct ourselves with behavior that fits our salvation. For me, in my late teens, I was just like a chameleon. I prayed the prayer. I was attending church. I looked the part and fit in. But that was only one side of me. I had another life away from the really saved crowd. I was living disobedient, selfish, cynical, and defensive. And at that point, instead of being a credit to the kingdom of God, I was dishonoring it. I was perfectly lukewarm. This not only hurt me, but it hurt the message of salvation for those observing my back and forth colors. In New Testament times, when someone became a believer, they clearly understood they would no longer act as those who were not saved. And they were told very plainly they were going to face tough times, such as persecution and suffering. In the age we presently live, we don't hear a lot about this aspect of true Christianity. So I want you to hear it now. Persecution is going to be part of our experience. So let's be prepared. And you're going to be hearing more about this from our speaker next week. Lastly, 
God's Word version says it this way, live as citizens who reflect the good news about Christ. Reflect has two meanings. One is to fix thoughts on something and careful consideration. And the other is to show forth the image and to cast back the light. And from this version came our topic. Church, I wanna welcome you to our brand new series, Mirrors. Mirrors are an item most of us use every day. In fact, many people use them multiple times a day. And if we would be honest, some can't even pass by a mirror without checking themselves out first. Let's hear a few simple facts about mirrors. And the first two, they're pretty obvious. Mirrors are objects that reflect an image and they are most commonly used for inspecting ourselves. Next, the two, there's two different types of mirrors. The first is called a plain mirror. It's also called a flat mirror and it provides a real looking image. The second is called a curved mirror and it distorts, magnifies and reduces the image in various ways. And finally, how does a mirror work? It transmits an image using rays of light. Mirrors help us see things we can't normally or easily see without its assistance. And the Word of God helps us in very much the same way. James, let's, let's listen to what James has to say. But don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Using the analogy of a mirror, when we read, look intently into the perfect law, we can better understand how to reflect and inspect as we look into the word of God. Making good use of our earlier definitions, we are to fix our mind on the word and give it careful consideration as we allow the word to inspect us. This can happen by way of instruction or encouragement. It can give guidance or provide direction. It will also reveal areas that need adjustment and change. And in the doing, we discover freedom and blessing. Why? Because we are becoming more and more like Christ. God in his word is likened to a plain mirror. We can always count on it reflecting the real image. However, two mirrors exist. Listen while I summarize how the second mirror came to be. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created the universe and our world. And after all the amazing, beautiful things that were created, God created male and female in his image and after his likeness. God then put Adam and Eve into the garden of Eden. And within that garden was 
everything they would need to thrive. However, there was one thing God wanted in return, and that was a genuine love relationship with mankind. Not forced or mechanical, but based on mutual love, interest, and desire. Therefore, God had to give man the freedom to choose him. God came down and walked with Adam and Eve late in the afternoon each day. He wanted time with them and provided and cared for their every need. The garden he established was filled with yeses. It was a place of peace and health, joy, food, purpose and fulfillment, nature, pets, and the perfect weather. Yet God had to include one no. The one thing, the only thing God withheld from them was for their ultimate good and protection. In the middle of Eden were two special trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God allowed them to eat all they wanted from the tree of life. But God said, you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Out of the entire garden, only one tree had a no. Enter Satan. He showed up and cunningly asked, did God really say? He enticed even Adam to question God's love and goodness. While looking at the forbidden fruit, Satan twisted the truth, making God appear selfish, harsh, and unfair. Surely doubts and questions arose. Is God reliable? Why can't we eat this fruit? It looks good. Why is God holding out on us? It won't really hurt us. By giving attention to Satan's curved words, it was decided to turn away from God's clear instruction. In that moment, one mirror became two. God and his word remained the real mirror, while Satan introduced for the very first time a curved, distorted mirror. Satan can shape lives so cleverly that those in darkness still see the fruit on the tree of evil and succumb to his repetitive tactics of death over and again. I did. Let us look into God's mirror then and see what God later said about this matter of the curved mirror. Exodus 20 says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. 1 Corinthians says, Therefore, dearly beloved, shun, keep away from, avoid by flight if need be, any sort of idolatry, of loving or venerating anything more than God. In closing, the final fact about mirror state that they work by transmitting the image using rays of light. To be sure, there are lights in the curved mirror, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So we need to keep in mind, it's not to be about getting the world's spotlight on us, but getting his light reflecting out 
from us. This son perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's image. He holds everything together by what he says. Powerful words, Hebrews tells us. When we stick with the real, true mirror of God's word, it can work in us as we look into it, fixing our attention on it, letting it inspect our life so we can respond to it. And as we do, we hear the Lord call out to us from Isaiah 60. Arise from the depression and prostration in which your circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. John adds, and everyone who looks up to him, Christ, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, eternal life. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me from this message today? Renew me, Lord, as I continue to look into the mirror of your word. Holy Spirit, guide me as I reflect and as I invite you to inspect. Show me if I have allowed any carved images to take your place. I turn my face toward you, Jesus. Shine upon me so I can radiate your light to my world. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Today, I laid the foundation for this series. And over the coming weeks, we're gonna be looking into Philippians 1 and breaking it down more. See you next Sunday.